Hey, how's it going? Aaron Parsons here. I'm sorry I haven't podcasted in a while, but life's gotten pretty fucked up, to be honest. And I just want to share my latest um, thing that I'm doing for the Spiritually Challenged podcast. And I just want to say that because of this, I am actually completely giving up on evangelical Christianity as well as personal development. I just think all of those things, there's a couple of components that have influenced both of that kind of stuff, and I feel those beliefs are pretty much bullshit and hokum. So I just want to let you know that before you listen to this. I still believe in God, and I still believe Jesus died for my sins, but I don't want to believe in, you know, these two things that I'm going to talk about that make up a lot of where we are in society. So here's the podcast. Enjoy. So the following topic is probably going to be all over the place and may even go over some listeners' heads, but that's because I believe what I'm about to address is all connected. So let's begin with legacy and purpose. Purpose is one's personal life mission statement. Purpose describes what we do and why we do what we do. Legacy in the case of purpose comes from the fruits that were grown in the soil of purpose. And legacy contains the possessions, ideas, and even ideologies that live into future generations that come from a person living with purpose in a past life. So why are those things important? Because I feel like the way we've been approaching purpose for at least the last 50 years has resulted in a very damaging legacy. I was born into it, I have to live with it, and now I feel like we're going to have to live through it. The approach from the past is the reason why we're at war today, and the reason why things like the insurrection and these freaking convoys keep on happening. Now, how did we get here? Well, there's a number of factors we could consider. We could first focus on how the middle class is quickly becoming the poverty class. We could go down the rabbit hole of discussing humanism versus fundamentalism. We could address the bogeymen that were manufactured post-Cold War, even though we had a rise of cults and gurus. We could pontificate about historic changes in values from investing in the family and how that relates to the lower class of America becoming the upper middle class back in the day when it was possible before capitalism took over and screwed over everyone's financial situation. I mean, hell, we could even talk about how a new virus that took over the world caused everyone to freak out about what's really important in life, including freedom itself. But What I think we should explore is self-actualization and how the law of attraction plays into all of this. Just note that from here, we'll be diving into some heavy topics that used to be fringe but are now making their way into our mainstream culture, including Christianity with a driving force, and that force can be very harmful if it's used with lack of knowledge. So let's start with the definition of self-actualization. The concept of self-actualization goes deep, so the shortest definition I can give is that self-actualization comes from fulfilling things a person wants in life. Examples of self-actualization are reaching certain goals or milestones. 
accepting who you are, building self-awareness in a realistic and positive way. The results of self-actualization can lead to higher forms of learning and maturity. It could lead to a deeper faith. It could lead to becoming more advanced in coding apps or even overcoming a traumatic event. Self-actualization is different for everyone. It can also change depending on a person's personal development, the values they have, religious deconstruction, or what they desire in their lives. For more information on self-actualization, I'm going to leave a link in the show notes which references the site where I got some of the information that we're discussing right now. Now, I know some listeners are wondering, you know, what the hell is the law of attraction? What is this thing? The law of attraction is actually common in our culture. It's, It's more common than you think. The law of attraction comes from something called New Thought, which is a spiritual movement that became a thing in the early 19th century. New Thought is a New Age ideological child of ancient thought, quote-unquote, which contains wisdom and philosophy from a variety of origins, such as ancient Greek, Roman, Egyptian, Chinese, Taoist, Vedic, Hindu, and Buddhist cultures, and their related belief systems. I'm doing an interview with someone who's part of the Baha'i faith, and that also combines certain concepts of thought, belief, consciousness in the human mind, and the effects of all these things within and beyond the human mind. Now, even though there are a lot of leaders and various offshoots of New Thought philosophy, the origins of New Thought are traced back to Phineas Quimby. The New Thought movement is a loosely allied group of people who have the following core beliefs. God, or infinite intelligence, also known as the universe, is supreme, universal, and everlasting. Divinity dwells within each person. In other words, all people are spiritual beings. The highest spiritual principle is loving one another unconditionally and teaching and healing one another. Our mental states are carried forward into manifestation and become our experience in daily living. I'm not sure why, but these kind of core beliefs sound very familiar with the certain kind of ideology that I grew up with if you've been listening to other episodes in this podcast. So what does New Thought have to do with the Law of Attraction? In the New Thought movement, also known as the Human Potential Movement, the Law of Attraction is a pseudoscience surrounding the idea that positive or negative thoughts bring positive or negative experience or possessions into a person's life. Essentially, if you change your negative mindset surrounding health, wealth, and personal relationships to a positive mindset surrounding these things, you'll have better or even godlike health, wealth, and deep personal relationships. Personal development and the pursuit of self-actualization combine cognitive reframing techniques with affirmations and creative visualization to replace limiting or self-destructive beliefs with more empowering positive thoughts. If you're familiar with names like Oprah Winfrey, Tony Robbins, Marianne Williamson, or Eckhart Tolle, what these people teach you is how to create or manifest the life you want using the law of attraction and new thought. If you've heard of things like using the moon for self-care, the power of positive thinking, the universe wants you to have it all, manifest destiny, people literally doing Jericho marches, the majority of personal development and multi-level marketing schemes, and even the prosperity gospel, which is a whole other episode I can do for hours. These things are rooted in the law of attraction and new thought. 
concepts of the law of attraction and new thought have infiltrated many aspects of our society, including humanist psychology in the 1960s until today. They've also infiltrated therapeutic and personal development industries, like I mentioned before, as well as many megachurches in the United States that still operate today. Joel Osteen, anyone? New thought and the law of attraction has shaped how our politicians lead our countries, how our economy runs, and how we educate our children. Sex of QAnon, America First, Red or Black-Pilled Incels, Nick Fuentes, possibly Stephanie Sibio in Canada, and some militia groups left and right who don't believe in objective truth are constantly trying to shape reality with new thought for nationalist or political objectives. I believe new thought, along with the America's founding myth, consumerism, and capitalism are the very reasons why society is where we are today. Personal Development New Thought books, they were helping society network during the Great Depression. Examples of these books are Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich and Success Through a Positive Mental Attitude, along with Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. After World War II, society started to rebuild. In the 1950s, the U.S. and Canada went through a time of great economic growth and prosperity despite being a cold war and struggle with communism. More cars were being made, suburbs were popping up everywhere, especially in New York and California, and with that came shopping malls, food courts, McDonald's, and eventually Starbucks. Music and TV gave young adults more opportunity and outlets to be creative, and our science and technology advanced very quickly. Sadly, even as the world prospered, poverty and inequality continue to be an issue even to this day. Because of America completely changing its way of life since the 1950s, the way we look at facts, how we solve problems, our creativity, our sense of morality, and the way we see the world, it had to change so we can catch up to America's prosperity. During this time, psychologists took certain ideas of new thought and encouraged people to think more positively so they can build confidence when going to school or getting a job. There's more, though. During the time I was born, we had the emergence of the Reagan Revolution, the rise of the yuppies, and wealth intensified even more, and it all led us to a form of a therapeutic culture. Americans were past the point of struggling to find a good job or defeating communists, And we got here because after the Cold War, it was a free-for-all in terms of self-actualization. We could define it for ourselves. In other words, we had no idea how to actually live out a purposeful existence outside of working to survive and raising kids to do the same thing. New Thought and the Law of Attraction made a comeback thanks to gurus infiltrating society and quietly changed how we think about legacy and purpose while at the same time building its own self-help culture that we have today. So when did this all become noticeable? I'll let Kevin give us this answer. It was the 90s. Yes, the 90s. A time when the coolest things to do were to get drunk with your friends, go camping with your youth group to encounter God in the woods, and if you're a nerd, play Nintendo while eating too much pizza. This is an era where creativity was almost limitless. We started to become so connected thanks to AOL, and there were still a lot of opportunities to make money. 
New Thought Gurus took advantage of these changes and influenced businesses, megachurches, and our educational systems in the government to embrace positive thinking and manifestation in order to get good jobs, graduate college, conform to family values, or even to become movie stars and best-selling musicians if you had a lot of money and connections. Even in our secular world, living a purposeful life with maximum potential in this era until 2020 involved owning cool toys like a yacht or a Sega Genesis if you made an upper five to six figures, keeping up with the latest TV shows, losing your virginity before you turn 25, having a car and a house, and being some kind of star in your community, whether you're a real estate mogul, the invincible karate kid, or in a band trying to create original music like Green Day. And now, In the 2000s, capitalism exploded, recessions happened, many wars occurred, and the internet made random people famous, while also breeding wannabe internet stars with tiny followings. Social media allowed anyone to be an influencer. It allowed anyone to become a rapper. It allowed people to become gurus, or just thought leaders in general, after writing books and publishing them on Amazon. Everyone wanted to be the next Tony Robbins, and the new thought gurus that were successful during this time, they started pushing the law of attraction on young people so they can overcome their financial and political struggles and then spread the same shallow gospel without even knowing it. Now you're probably wondering, why does all this history matter? It matters because the pseudoscience of the law of attraction, prosperity, and even freedom without sacrifice, they all have limitations. Very few of us only figured this out after March of 2020. For many people, especially those who aren't as powerful in society, the definitions of purpose and self-actualization have actually evolved and even changed multiple times based on how society advanced and how new thought leaders and powerful individuals have reacted to those changes. As digital technology advanced faster, so did the power of the privileged, along with the weaknesses, financial problems, and the mental health issues of those not so privileged. As a result, voices of marginalized groups became louder, values of the family were challenged, and the law of attraction started to lose its influence. The distraction of all these things has led us to where we are now, a society with a virus literally killing people where all we have is a voice on social media screaming about how to reach self-actualization, all while disagreeing with each other as to how to go about repairing the decay of American society and values. So what is the legacy, new thought, and American prosperity? What did that legacy give us? More people are starting to wake up to the fact that new thought and the law of attraction doesn't actually work in the long term, even though it can cause a person to be more confident and at least try to make positive changes in their lives. The legacy behind the idea that blessing and success are byproducts of self-improvement, positive thinking and manifestation, while there are some great achievements in that in terms of medical, technological, and even creative innovation, All this came from having the right amount of resources and knowledge at the right time. New Thought had very little to do with the advancement of society. God may have provided some novel ideas, but achievements were made because of hard work and privilege, not positive thinking or personal responsibility. Success happens as a result of outside factors, not just planning and executing the things you want to do with your life. When people think positively and nothing happens, 
that is positive in their outside circumstances, all that's left is toxic positivity. Second, correlation does not imply causation. In other words, just because someone or something was present before a certain event happened doesn't mean it's the cause of that event. Correlation is a relationship between two variables, where one variable changes, the other variable also changes. Causation is when there is a real-world explanation for why something is logically happening, the implication being cause and effect. New thought and even evangelicalism preaches that causation is correlation with a reason. For example, I pray a prayer and I get money or I'm healed. Or I pray against cancer and by using the name of Jesus, the cancer disappears from the body of the person I pray for or myself if I have cancer. Unfortunately, in all my years of praying for people and even praying for myself for healing, I've only seen someone be healed after I prayed instantly only once. People think that because they exercised the law of attraction, that resulted in healing or wealth increasing in the name of Christ, which is actually a form of witchcraft. Cancer may have disappeared because of radiation therapy, or wealth may have came because someone jumped on an opportunity that was right in front of them. The job wasn't attracted, and the cancer didn't just explode after saying the name of the Savior of the world. Sometimes things just happen, and it's out of our control, and God does what he does because he's an entity with a personality and character, and a will of his own. It's not like he's a genie in a bottle or something to summon in a video game. This leads me to another point in terms of what the legacy of New Thought has given us. The law of attraction, according to some Christians, is a form of sorcery. Sorcery involves exercising supernatural forces using the power of your will in the real world. Notice I said in the real world, which is why I'm not anti-D&D or anti-Harry Potter. The law of attraction in New Thought actually involves minor spellcasting. Why is it that Grant Cardone is so big on journaling positive affirmations every morning? This is a variation on manipulating metaphysical forces, in other words, forces beyond the physical. So even manipulation of spiritual forces through prayer can be witchcraft, especially when it comes to how loud and passionate Pentecostals pray like children with tears streaming down their faces throwing a tantrum. It's almost as if God or the universe can be manipulated to our advantage through prayer and living a holy life, but that's not how it works. If that is how it works for everyone, all our prayers will be answered. So, with this argument, maybe it's good to thank God for unanswered prayers. If God answered all our prayers, we'd take advantage of him like a sky santa or genie from Aladdin rather than see him as an actual person with an actual love that gives us all we need instead of everything we want. Galatians 5.20 says that idolatry and witchcraft are acts of the flesh, and the law of attraction is a mindset-based, quote-unquote, act of the flesh. And many churches, big, big mega-churches, they practice this law of attraction thing all the time. My final point on the legacy that new thought and modern self-actualization has left us is that Christians in the churches I attended, they quote Romans 12 verse 2 whenever they see or hear something they don't like. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When talking about this verse, we need context when it comes to how Paul discussed why Christians shouldn't conform to the pattern of this world. There also needs to be context around being an offering as a living sacrifice, along with the full explanation given of salvation in the previous chapters of Romans. This is all connected. 
it all has to be linked up together with determining the scriptural definition of renewing the mind. But hey, since it's all about the pretext when we quote Romans 12.2, here's a question for Christians who use this verse as a weapon just to try and prove their point. What is the pattern of this world? It seems to me like the pattern of this world is going to school and getting good grades, getting a job in high school to learn about work and figuring out how you should make money to support yourself, going to college or university or getting into a trade, getting an internship or a practicum, getting a job, getting a car, buying a house with a white picket fence and Ikea furniture, and getting married. And of course, The most radical part of the pattern of this world today is that you must have children of your own so you can train them to follow this exact same pattern. This is Christian self-actualization, and the prosperity gospel uses the law of attraction with the Jesus skin to push this exact nuclear family-based pattern of this world the most. So, what do we do with all this? It's very simple. We renew our minds and we change our lifestyles. We are past the days of the prosperity gospel and we are past American prosperity and the expansion of American culture. Expenses have gone up. Malls and businesses are struggling or closing. Essential workers are being treated like crap and they are quitting their jobs. We're all working from home and can't network in person. Art isn't taken seriously because it's all digital. We've got Bitcoin and NFTs now. Technology makes the world go round. Pop culture is not even poppy anymore. Students can't afford to go to school now. And it's actually not a good time to travel given what's going on with Ukraine and Russia. Listen, we need to transition into a new reality. And both in and post-transition, many people are going to suffer no matter what kind of changes occur. That's just how it is. The thing about change is that it requires repentance. People rarely change because new thought and the law of attraction only require that they follow their laws rather than God's way. And when people do this, they encounter disappointment even though they're addicted to the manifestation Kool-Aid. This is also why I've stopped reading self-help books. Because I haven't read one that teaches repentance. Every individual I met who's desperate to change their life has a hard time figuring out how to do it wholeheartedly. They have a hard time figuring out how to wholeheartedly repent. As a result, most people's lives rarely do change at all. When it comes to personal responsibility, taking personal responsibility for that change isn't going to shift society. We have to do this collectively. And we have to do it like we did in the past, after the 50s, before the 80s. So, there are two things we can do. One, we need to let society collapse in some way, shape, or form. Two, we redefine self-actualization without the concepts of new thought or the law of attraction. And we all have to figure out how to do this somehow. We have to do this together. The advantages of societal collapse is that it's an opportunity to put certain powers back into the hands of the people. The problem, though, is that the most powerful will fight tooth and nail to keep that from happening. The smartest people actually haven't figured out how to do this because it has to be done humanely as well. Doing this means catering to the most vulnerable in society. 
Societal collapse seems scary when it comes to self-actualization because it involves the decay of complex human society, which is characterized by the loss of cultural identity, which is given to us by new thought and the law of attraction, and of socioeconomic complexity breaking down as well. And of course, that breakdown has already been happening as well through events like the insurrection, people leaving their jobs, the convoy, younger folks having big shoes to fill after boomers retire, and the rise of extremism. People have lost faith in finances. People have lost faith in the government. And I'm losing faith in my Christian friends and family. Yeah, but Aaron, have you lost your faith in God? Well, that depends on the God you're talking about. Are we talking like God-God or... Are we talking straight white American Jesus? And that's a whole other discussion. In order to redefine self-actualization, we'll need to replace certain values that we have. Instead of being right all the time, we have to face the fact that we could be wrong about what we did to get here. And we have to face the fact that we won't find the right answer and that all we can do is just try to be less wrong. Instead of thinking we're exceptional and special, we need to accept that life is going to be boring and that our actions only matter to certain groups of people. Instead of trying to control what happens to us, we should control how we interpret what happens to us. Instead of trying to fight for freedom, we should fight to keep commitments while learning to make sacrifices rather than having it all. Instead of pushing personal responsibility, maybe let's figure out if there are systemic problems holding a person back before telling them to do something. Instead of crying out for unity, maybe let's determine why we're separated in the first place. Instead of trying to censor and hide things, we should expand learning and education. Instead of shooting first, let's ask questions and figure out what people are saying before making judgments. Instead of trying to put on a front or a mask, we need to be more vulnerable and real about who we are and what we struggle with, not just our accomplishments and how smart we are. And that's the thing. Our children depend on us to give them wisdom on how to live a good life. I just have to say this out loud again. We can't preserve the old world from the 50s until February 2020. That world is gone. There is no going back to normal. All we have is the new normal. That's just a fact. And you know, we sure as hell can't use the law of attraction to manifest the past. The point is that our future generations are going to have to redefine every aspect of our lives while deconstructing and decolonizing our ideologies, evangelicalism, and the way we just live culture. We have to do this before, during, and after the collapse of life as we know it. And if we don't, we are finished as a human species. I'm Aaron Parsons signing off.